This episode is sponsored by Macmillan Audio. Getting ready for a vacation? Don't forget to make sure you have the perfect summer audiobook downloaded and ready to go. Listen while you travel to your destination or press play while you unpack or explore the sights. Elle Kennedy's The Summer Girl, the third book in her blockbuster, well-loved Avalon Bay series, would be the perfect getaway companion. The audiobook is read by Caitlin Elizabeth and Teddy Hamilton, who voice college student Cassie back home for the summer in Avalon Bay, and her friend, or could he be something more, Tate. Start listening to The Summer Girl by L. Kennedy now, wherever audiobooks are sold. Hello and welcome to A Bookish Home. I'm your host, librarian and writer, Laura Zaro-Kopinski, and today my guest is Megan Tady, author of Superbloom, which recently released from Zibby Books. It's a sparkling, heartwarming debut about a massage therapist at a Vermont spa who gets a demanding assignment from an eccentric author that might just change her life. Megan Tady is a writer and editor who runs the company Wordlift. Her writing has appeared in the Huffington Post and Ms. Magazine, among others. She's currently hard at work on her next novel, Champions for Breakfast, which will also be published by Zibby Books. Megan lives in Western Massachusetts with her family. Welcome, Megan. Thank you for being here, and congratulations on the new book. I just adored Superbloom. Oh, thank you so much, and thank you for having me. Yes, this is such a perfect summer read. It was feel-good and just a delightful escape, and I also love any books that have to do with writing and kind of books within books, so that was really fun. Um So can you tell listeners a little bit more about the premise for the novel and the characters that we meet? Yes. So Super Bloom is about Joan Johnston, and she is a massage therapist at a spa in Vermont, like you mentioned. And uh, when readers meet her, she's at the bottom of the barrel. You know, she's lost the love of her life, Samuel, and she's still grieving him. And she's about to lose her job at the spa. Um, she, she's quite grumpy and she's uh, just not, not doing great at her work. Uh, but her boss, Tara, gives her one chance to redeem herself. And that's to get a glowing review from basically the world's most demanding client, famous romance novelist, Carmen Bronze. Carmen breezes into town and the massage goes haywire and Carmen kind of uh, pushes Joan into dishing dirt about the spa where she wants to set her next bestseller. And along the way, Joan begins to wonder if she should write that book instead and chaos ensues. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. And I love Joan. I thought she was such a, just felt very like original as a character and I loved her voice and I'm curious maybe how you developed her or if she came easily to you. Um, You know, (laughs) so the book, the idea for the book came to me while I was at a massage, getting a massage in Vermont at a spa. My husband (laughs) swept me away for a birthday surprise pre kids, you know, when, when it was, easy to do. And um, the body worker who was working on me uh, wasn't having the best day. You know, she just seemed quite grumpy herself. And I, my face was in the face cradle. And the whole time I kept wondering, you know, what is her story? 
what's what's going on with her? Does she even like this job or is she just tired? And, you know, my imagination took off and I began to sort of cast her as this brokenhearted woman um, and who had this sort of dormant passion for writing. I, you know, I, this book took me eight years to, to write um, and to, to basically to, from that massage till now and, you know, working on it on and off for, for quite a long time. And I think my early passes on the book, um, I kept hearing from people that she was unlikable. And I really bristled at that for a while, you know, hearing that a woman's unlikable just because she um, is a little salty or a little funny. Um, but, you know, once you once you hear that uh, several times, you, you sort of have to pay attention so I began to make some really um, important changes in the beginning of the book that allow the reader to see that she, yes, she's salty and yes, she, she's sad, but she doesn't love herself that way. And I wanted to hold on to some of that sarcasm that she has, but show the reader early on that she's in for a transformation and the reader is, is going to be along for the ride you're not going to be saddled with this character the entire time who's just complaining. Um, so it was important for me to take a look at while also just keeping her character and her voice intact at the same time. That's a really interesting kind of way to look at that feedback and everything. And as I'm looking back, I, I've been thinking about this just kind of like in terms of my own writing, just character transformations. And I remember thinking as I was reading, like, oh, this is just a very satisfying transformation of a character which like I I don't think I would have put words to it that way just like in my reader hat but in my writer hat I was like oh this is just done really well kind of seeing her evolve as a character so it's interesting that maybe some a little bit of that came out of wanting to take her on that journey a little bit from from who she is at the start of the book well you know I was wondering too because it is sort of like the book within the book did you have a Joan character that you, or a Joan person that you talk to to kind of give you the inside scoop on the the world of a spa and and you know I was always saying massage therapist, but I guess it's it's body worker I found in the book. So like all of that stuff, how did you kind of get the inside scoop? Well, thank you for saying that about the 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 arc, her transformation, and the, and that's a tricky thing to write because you can't if you're doing it well, you can't just sort of say, and now watch her transform or she's having an aha moment. You know, you have to, you have to show different things happening throughout the book that allow the reader to, to see it happening and also create a cast of characters around your main character that give your main character an opportunity to um, change, shift, grow, uh, maybe do things that are unpleasant that you're watching and cringing at. So, you know, that that's a, a thing that I, I learned along the way. Um, and it's a, it's quite an art and it took me a while to get it right. So thank you for, for seeing that. Um, I interviewed, you know, to learn about spas and uh, the art of massage therapy. And you can call them massage therapists. You can call them body workers. The word that they don't like is masseuse. Um, so that's a sort of outdated word that I learned as I was interviewing um, several body workers around what this job is like. And I, it was important for me to um, 
interview people who had worked at a variety of settings, whether it's a luxury spa, whether they're running their own business from their home, whether they work at a large you know, massage franchise. While Joan doesn't love her work, there are other characters in the book who do and who are really called to it, who find it very fulfilling. Um, so I wanted to show that you can, you know, there's a variety of, of ways to sort of experience this profession. It's a really unique it, job. You know, it's intimate. It's very intimate. You, um, it's very physical. You're in a tiny room. Often you don't know who you're going to see each day unless it's a repeat client. Um, and your earning potential is often capped at your body's ability to do the job. And, you know, four massages in a day is actually quite a lot. It's, it's really hard on the body. So um, I wanted to show, uh, you know, that, that it runs the gamut and to really get inside what this profession looks like and then give that, that information to Joan, who then feeds it to Carmen. Um, but I learned a lot along the way, and I'm hearing from a lot of people too. You know, I'll never get a massage the same way again. Which I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah, <You laughs> like know, I'll she, never think of it, have the same thoughts again. I yeah, go. and I, I, I'm like, keep getting massages, but also, yeah, you know, have a newfound respect for your for your body workers because there's a lot of challenges that go into it that I don't think we see um, when we're going to get get relief. Yeah. And even just, I thought it was how it ended up being like a very corporate spa. I thought was interesting to read about and how she's kind of along the way, really interested in like workers rights there and like improving things for them. And I hadn't really thought about like how controlled some aspects of it might be like they're getting such a small portion of, of the money from the massages and they're being pushed to like sell certain products and things. I just thought that made for a really interesting setting. Were you, did it take you a little while to settle on that, that like that's where you wanted um, the kind of place you wanted it to be? I knew it was going to be in a luxury spa, you know, sort of based on my own experience. And I had a feeling, you know, I, I have a journalism background and I've done a lot of writing and, and, um, investigating around workers' rights and, and stories that I've written in the past. So I know that whenever you sort of walk into a corporate setting where prices are really high for the clients, um, that often uh, behind the scenes are uh, possible worker policies that don't really benefit the people who are working there. Um, so I had an idea that that might be the case. And as I began to interview folks who had worked in spa settings, that became real. And I, I was like, okay, so this is, this is real. This often happens for people. And often these, these major luxury spas are owned, are, are owned by big corporations who don't have any roots in the community. They used to, but they don't anymore. And they're setting these sort of bureaucratic rules that aren't great for the employees. Um, one thing that's sort of interesting for massage therapists is that 
all the rules are really different state by state. And so it's very tricky to organize the profession on a national level to say like, let's all band together and, and try to get um, better rates or, you know, to have a base rate so that we get income, even if no one's here um, to massage. So that's really tricky for people. I ended up interviewing a wonderful woman who's running um, an organization, I think out of Arizona. She's a body worker. She's worked in various settings who is trying to shed light on this on a national, in a national way. Um, and that's the first time I had heard of that because it is so tricky. Um, so I wanted to, without like hitting the reader over the head, you know, this is a book about workers' rights. I just wanted to sprinkle that in and um, give give Joan and give my other characters, you know, some some harder hitting material to play with, basically. Yeah, I thought that was great. And just, I thought kind of along with her journey, it was just a really interesting piece of things to get to read about. Um, well, I love hearing... Well, I'm sure you're not thrilled that it took eight years, but I love hearing that it took eight years personally because I myself am on a very long writing journey. And I just think that that is helpful for listeners um, to hear about as well, other aspiring writers. Could you talk a little bit about kind of the path to publication and maybe anything too that helped you along that journey, like um, maybe classes or books or anything like that? When I used to read that it took an author, you know, a decade to write a book, I was sort of, I balked at that, you know, like, why? What, what is the problem? And now that I have had that experience myself of almost eight years, I understand. Um, I run my own business as a writer and editor. So I was working full time. And then I had two young kids who are still quite young. They're four and seven. So I was having babies and raising these young kids as this was all, as I was trying to write this book. Um, I wrote the first draft in about a year and I had never written fiction. It had all been nonfiction and, and journalism. And I really struggled to even articulate that I wanted to write a novel and to sort of say that out loud. It felt so absurd to me that, that I could write a book. So it, I had to sort of work up my own confidence toward it. And I did take some classes locally that gave me some accountability and allowed me to generate some of my chapters in class. I wrote a book, the first draft in about a year, and I queried agents. And I have to admit that I thought this was going to be pretty quick. You know, I had a couple of um, agent referrals and I was sort of like, I'm going to make some agents day. They're going to dance out of their office and be like, I found her. She's incredible. This book. <laughs> um, I heard, I didn't hear anything and I was horrified. And I was also like, okay, you know, I think I, I think I need to get more serious. I think I have a lot to learn. Um, I kept sort of tweaking it and working on it, but you know, multiple years went by as I was also having my daughter and then building my business, having my son it wasn't until a few years in that I, I really thought I should study fiction in a different way. And 
I took a class called How to Write a Breakout Fiction Novel with the author Bianca Murray, who runs a podcast called The Shit No One Tells You About Writing. That course was fantastic. I hadn't studied story structure in, in all those years of working on my novel. I was sort of writing on instinct. And I began studying story structure and inciting incident, three-act structure, that sort of thing. And it wasn't that I needed to sort of overlay my novel on these examples, but I needed to understand why books were working in certain ways to, to sort of perfect my book and to also understand, okay, if I'm going to break a rule, I need to know what the rules are first. So mm. that was really helpful. And around that time, I also started connecting with writing groups and I began listening to podcast interviews of other writers who had failed. I was really seeking out writers who had similar stories to, to what I have now, who said, I have three novels in a drawer and this took me 15 years. Or I, you know, I, so, I, I got my agent quick. We went out on submission and my novel didn't sell. You know, I, and those stories I hadn't heard. I, I had just imagined a quick path for everyone. I had imagined that if you were talented, you got swooped up right away. I hadn't heard the grind. I hadn't heard the stories behind people's books. So I began to really seek those out and find comfort in those and find inspiration in those. Um, I then began querying um, much more seriously with my whole spreadsheet and I had studied the query letter. I got you know, like 15 full requests from agents and ultimately no um, offers. I think this was in 20, gosh, 2020. Um, I ended up hiring uh, a freelance editor, which I did a little bit um, here and there, but this time to look at my entire manuscript, you know, like why, why am I hooking agents? But then ultimately something like the messy middle, something's happening and it's falling apart. It's not working. The agent that I have now, uh, she passed on my book at first, but she gave me incredible feedback saying, um, I think you have a stakes issue and I can't figure out what's going on. So I took that feedback and with the help of my writing group and a freelance editor, I worked on it for another nine or 10 months. And I went back to this agent the following fall and I said, will you look at this again? And she actually said, yes. Meanwhile, four months pass. And if you're in the query trenches, it is so, it's so hard and it takes so much time and it takes a lot of patience. So four months go by and I'm watching Zibby Books and Zibby Owens um, launch her, launch her book imprint. And I'm watching this unfold. And I ended up sending my manuscript to her unagented and they really? offered, I did. Yeah. I didn't have an agent. I did have a um, referral to her. So that helped, but I didn't have, you know, an agent and they offered um, to acquire the book six weeks later. And then my agent, um, the one who still had the manuscript read it overnight and she, she offered rep the next day. So the, it all came together in one week. You know, it just wasn't your, <laughs> your typical story. And it was such an incredible week after, after this long, long slog. 
That's so helpful to hear. And I think this is why I love sort of hearing about those writing journeys because you just don't see that. We see, you know, those of us who are sort of like following books and publishing, like, oh, you're one of the first um, Zibby books and probably assume that that all happened like quickly and easily, but that's not always the case. And so I love that. And I would love to hear too, because I've been so interested um, you know, I've had Zibby Owens on and I, I love her writing and her podcast and everything. And I'd sort of love to hear what it's been like to be um, one of the authors for this new publisher. I, while I was in the, those eight years, <laughs> I had a, I had a lot of ups and downs and a lot of tears and doubts, you know, was this even going to happen for me? I'm so grateful that it took the time it took and that by the time I sent my manuscript to Zibby and to Zibby books, it was in great shape. I had reworked that thing dozens of times. And some of my advice to writers is to read your own manuscript over and over again, print it out, read it out loud, take a break from it, come back to it. So by the time she received it, it was in really good shape. Um, so, so it, you know, that part just went really quickly. And then from there, my book was on a fast track because it was in good shape. And we did a quick edit on it that, you know, took a few months, but still was, was great. Um, it was able to come out a year, basically a little bit more than a year of when they acquired it, which isn't typical. Usually it takes two years. Um, I have had an incredible experience being with Zippy Books. I can't, um, I can't really you know, compare because I haven't been with anyone else. But when I hear from other authors who say, wait a minute, you were in on the conversation for your book cover and you saw, which I want to ask about because it was such a good cover. (laughs) Yeah. Or you, you know, oh my gosh, you, you know, you got to hear all the audio book auditions or you, you're able to just email your PR person and you hear back from them, you know? So uh, it's been wonderful. The team around Zibby is just so talented. There's, there's a, a, you know, a huge team now. Um, My editor's incredible and I feel really supported. There's also a, a lovely amount of camaraderie with the other authors Zibby Books only publishes a book a month, so 12 books a year. And there's this close-knit group of us who are, you know, chatting with each other and sending text messages and supporting each other. And that feels incredible. Um, you know, That's so great. Yeah, yeah, it really is great. And being through the portal now, of, of now my book is out and, um, kind of stepping through what feels like a portal or a door, uh, being on the other side, having your book out in the world is also challenging. And it's more challenging than I, I really realized. Um, you know, this thing I've been working on for years, I now have, and I'm sort of challenged by it. Oh, wow. You know, um, it feels quite vulnerable and there's a lot of promotion and I have to do a more public speaking than I ever thought I would do as a shy person. Um, but I also feel like that experience is cushioned by 
the the team at Zibi who understands that and is supportive of that and all the other authors and some of them who have been through this before and can say, yep, I totally get it. Or others who are just, you know, commiserating. And um, that feels really great. That's so nice. And I, I feel like that whole structure of having a book come out a month just seems so great because they can really focus on that launch and have that author feel really supported. It just it seems like a really nice way of doing things. And yeah, and I just have to say, for, we mentioned the cover, anyone who hasn't seen it, I just love it. It's so bright and cheerful. And I love the spa look with the cucumbers on her face. And it's just um, such a great one. Did that take a little while to come to? It, You know, it didn't. Um, the designer is Allison Saltzman, who's an incredible designer. And she has done many of the covers of books that have been on my shelves for years that I've adored, um, including Laura Zygmunt's Separation Anxiety. You know, that's the cover of the, oh, the woman yeah. holding the dog and the dog carrier, you know. Yep. So funny. Um, so when I found out that we were going to be working with her, I was just over the moon. I was so happy she sent in multiple variations and basically, you know, Superbloom, the title comes from wildflowers in a desert um, waiting, you know, years to bloom, waiting for the right conditions to bloom. So I had sort of imagined a cover with just a bunch of wildflowers on it. And she gave us some variations of, on that. And they were beautiful. They were stunning. But they weren't funny you know they weren't quirky and when we saw the one with the with the cucumbers on the eyes and her sort of blank expression um we all just knew that that was it and it had the comedic tone we were going for and I loved how she just sort of teased that out you know the cucumbers are mentioned maybe twice in the book but she teased out that idea and ran with it and it was so astute of her so we just, you know, the whole team was like, this is it. And we loved it and we ran with it. And it's also been fun to um, use in a promotional way. You know, a lot of people have been posting photos with cucumbers on their eyes or the, oh, um, so fun. <laughs> yeah, the little spa products, you know, so that's been so fun. And yeah, she did a great job. I love that. Well, I'm curious if there are um, maybe even books from other uh, Zibi authors you've been reading lately or just anything you've been reading lately that you really love that you would want to recommend to listeners? I am in the middle of listening to the audiobook of Demon Copperhead um, by Barbara Kingslover, and it's incredible. You know, she's a master for a reason, and the audio version um, is just, it's 21 hours. So I was sort of like, I don't know, can I do this? And now I feel like I'm going to miss it when it's gone. So it's so, so good. Um, my friend Jane Delory's book uh, comes out by Zippy Books next Tuesday, I think is her launch day. It's called Hedge. That's an incredible, incredible read. So grab that. Um, and a fun, just light, but also just excellent rom-com is Annabelle Monahan's Same Time Next Summer. She wrote oh, the book. I love Nora. her. Yeah. I'm such a big fan. <laughs> Me too. She's wonderful. And her debut um, was Nora Goes Off Script, which was incredible. So her next book is just awesome and funny 
and it's getting a lot of buzz. So definitely pick that one up. It's funny you say that. I feel like Super Bloom and Nora Goes Off Script would be like friends on the bookshelf. So I think anybody <laughs> who likes Nora Goes Off Script, and I've had her on, would really, um, would really like Super Bloom. Well, Megan, it has been such a treat to talk with you. I have loved hearing about your writing journey and just bringing Super Bloom into the world. I really hope listeners go pick up a copy at their local bookstore, um, get a library hold in. It would be just the perfect book to bring along on vacation this summer. Such a treat to read and and listeners are going to love Joan. And thank you for taking the time to come on and for chatting with me. Thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful. For links to all of the books mentioned on this week's episode, you can visit abookishhome.com. If you are enjoying the show, I hope you take a minute to subscribe and also rate and review wherever you get your podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would encourage you to share it on social media to help other people find the show and this episode. Thanks for listening, everyone, and happy reading.